couple of weeks ago, John Corn uh, led a prayer for Sutherland and Tommy, and that began a new tradition here at West Seventh, where we are going to honor uh, 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 new brides and grooms. And today we are honoring Molly Murphy and Blaine Harris, who are way back there in the corner in the balcony. <laughs> uh, we are so happy for y'all, happy that you are at this exciting point in your life, happy that you have found each other, and we are so happy that you are here and hopefully will be part of, part of our family for many years to come. Molly's the daughter of Joel and Mary and uh, is a nurse at Murray Regional. Blaine is from Mon Eagle originally and works at First Farmers. And uh, my note says they will be living in Columbia and what an awesome place to get to start your life and have your life. You're, in a, you're very blessed to have that opportunity as well. Um, I was happy to see the scripture reading this morning was from the Sermon on the Mount because I was, it ties perfectly. I was going to say if you read the Sermon on the Mount, um, you will understand that Jesus came and turned the world on its head he flipped everything upside down. What's up was down. What's this way is this way. And my wish for you, our wish for you, is that you will have an upside down kind of a home, kind of a marriage, a happy life, but rooted here, firmly planted with, the, with, with Jesus and as Christians. So um, we wish you well. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that, that uh, Blaine and Molly have found each other and that they are here and in our family. We ask your blessing on them always. Uh, give them happy, happy years ahead. And we know that there are inevitably troubles that arise, but help them to bond together and to always remember who they are in Christ. And that will pull them through many difficult times. Uh, we are so grateful that they are here. We ask for prosperity for them and for uh, strength and uh, just have good lives together. Uh, bless their home. And, uh, and if they are blessed with children, uh, we look forward to that. And uh, we hope that they will be part of our family for many, many years to come. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Isn't that a wonderful new tradition that we have? Uh, if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here today. And look in the bulletin, there are a lot of things that are uh, starting again, kicking back off. It's the start of a school year for our children, but even as a church, there are a lot of things that we're ramping back up. And a big one today is uh, small group Bible studies. Uh, during our coffee time, we're having our registration or time for you to join a group. Uh, the group leaders will be in there to help answer any questions you may have. There's an insert in the bulletin with all the opportunities there and really want you to be a part of that. And our groups uh, will start meeting in September. Uh, so we'll get through the Labor Day holiday, then we'll kick that off. And then also today during our Bible class time, if you are interested in learning how to do an inductive Bible study, um, I'm going to be teaching an introductory class. We're going to be meeting in the office workroom. Again, the details are in the bulletin. If you've wondered about the precepts and how that works, come to this class. There's no obligation. Uh, you just kind of see how it works. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, also in the bulletin, there's a note there about Joel Oswalt and the class that he's going to soon 
begin uh, or resume a new study on uh, Sunday afternoons, and that's a good thing as well. You'll also notice tonight um, there is no gathering. Um, Back by popular man- demand is a, another uh, Sunday night hos- of hospitality. So uh, take someone to lunch, have someone in your home, and make the most of that. You'll also notice in our youth section, this Wednesday is a big day. Uh, Vision Wednesday is what Jackson is calling it, and he's going uh, to kind of lay out what the future is going to hold for our young people. Uh, of course, the teens are, are wanted, expected there, but parents also. So you're going to want to be a part of that. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said these words, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. We've been for several weeks now studying these one another commands. And in doing so, not because we get them right, but because we could all do better and grow more in loving one another. But as followers of Jesus, no one should love people better than we love people. Last week's lesson on greeting was so well received, and thank you for your compliments. I appreciate that so much. Today, I want to talk about a related but a different topic, and that is the command to encourage one another. This command appears in the Bible more than any other of the one another commands. And I put as, a, as an opening, where do you go to be uplifted? Where do you go to be uplifted? Think about that. Well, the writer of Hebrews has an answer to that question. You know, the letter that we call Hebrews <clears throat> was written to Christians who were discouraged. They were ready to give up on Jesus. Some of their friends had already done just that. And so the writer of Hebrews answers that question. Look on the screen, or if you could open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to pick up the reading in verse 19. <clears throat> he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, that's a huge statement because it's only because of Jesus that we can do this. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to mark this passage in your Bible or flag it or, or, or just write the reference in the back of your Bible. Whatever you do to say, hey, I need to remember this because we need to remember this. We do not have to be fearful to enter into the presence of God. Think about that. We have full access to God. We don't have to be fearful of what to expect. The blood of Christ has washed us. And now, according to the writer of Hebrews, we can go before God with boldness, with confidence. And that's what God wants of us. Now, note what he writes next. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds... 
Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if the question is, where do you go to be uplifted? The writer of Hebrews basically says, is, number one, you go to God, and number two, to put it in our words, go to church. Isn't that what he's saying here? All of us have direct access to God, and when we come together as God's people, our goal then is to love one another, and in, as it's stated here, to encourage one another. Because you're gathering people with people who've already been washed as well. They have Jesus' righteousness. They have His Holy Spirit. They're also trying to walk with the Lord. So you as a believer have direct access to God, and you're meeting with others who have the same. What an encouraging message in the book of Hebrews. The Duke of Wellington is a British military leader. He's the one who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo, and not an easy man to serve under. And he knew that. Successful, but not easy to be around. Brilliant, he was demanding, but not one to give his subordinates much praise or compliments. But he knew that. Older, wiser, he was asked by a lady, what if anything he would do differently if he had to live his life over again? Wellington thought for a moment and then he said, I would give more praise. Maybe we've got that same regret. I would give more praise. Completely committed followers of Jesus are to be consistent and intentional and constant encouragers. Because that's what Jesus commands us to do. This command, encourage one another, I mentioned already, mentioned more than any other, 109 times in our New Testament. 109 times in 27 books, we're given the command to encourage one another. And that word that's translated encourage in our English translation, it really just means if literally translated to come alongside. That's what the word means, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But it always is used to describe activities, mindset, words that inspire others to keep going, to do well, to build them up. I put this on the screen because I want us to really get this. To encourage is to share an intentional expression meant to help someone grow in their walk with Christ. Let me share that again. To encourage is to share an intentional expression meant to help someone grow in their walk with Christ. See, anybody can encourage, even if you're not a believer in Jesus. Anybody can encourage, but this kind of encouragement that the Bible talks about is a little deeper. And it means a little more. So we're not surprised to find this throughout Scripture. Let me share a few. Acts chapter 14, verse 21 and 22. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Strengthening encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Look at this next one, 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, 
and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So it's not just a responsibility of the leaders. Everyone is to encourage. Later, the same book, he says to all believers, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. So I want us to understand this. I don't know what you think about when you just maybe read the sermon title and think, okay, the lesson is going to be about encouraging. But encouragement is much more than just passing out compliments. Spiritually, encouraging is much more than just being a positive person. It's more in-depth than just commenting on someone's clothing or, or, or just saying some nice words that lifts them up. Spirit-led encouragement has a deeper purpose than that. In these verses we read, the connotation, the connection, remain true to the faith, live life worthy of God. See, this kind of encouraging is more than just being nice. It's more than being agreeable. It's more than being a pleasant person. It's more than just having a nice thing to say. Even someone who doesn't claim to follow Jesus can do those things. Look at Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you see the message here in Scripture? Yes, you're encouraging, and it may be a compliment, it may be a kind word, but there's a deeper foundation to it. You're not just trying to be a nice person because that's the way your mom and dad brought you up to be. Not just to be a, a good co-worker or a good friend or a good neighbor. This kind of encouragement means you're understanding that eternity is at stake. You're thinking about their spiritual well-being. You're trying to encourage them to make the right choice, to do the right thing, to keep growing in their faith in the Lord. And think about it. We need it. We need this kind of encouragement. Yeah, sometimes we like to know, yeah, you look nice today, or you did a good job on that. Those, those are always appreciated. But more spiritually, we need these words of encouragement to hang tough, to keep the faith, to keep believing, keep doing the right thing, even if no one else is doing the right thing with you. You stay true. Because the world is full of discouraging news. You ever had your time looking at the screen, watching the news, and you just turn it off? Because the discouragement gets too much. Work, school, news, social media, even in our families. You ever wish there was an off button for your family when that discouragement is so much? Reader's Digest told the story of a Navy frogman. The wife wrote in, I was visiting my parents with my new husband, a Navy frogman, when he pulled me aside and said, I don't think your mother likes me. I was explaining that I can't wear my wedding ring when I die because barracudas are attracted to shiny things and they might bite my finger off. Your mother said, why can't you wear it on a chain around your neck? The world is full of discouraging words. Do you know one of the main reasons we are to gather together as God's people is to encourage one another? I think during the COVID lockdown, we came to appreciate that. We just miss being together. So when you come to worship 
and you arrive late and leave early. We talked about this last week. It's very opposite of what the writer of the book of Hebrews was talking about. You know, you come before the throne of God and you do so and then you're looking around trying to spiritually encourage one another. Again, 109 times in the New Testament, it mentions encourage. This is not an option for us. This is not, I don't feel like it. Or this is about me. It's not. You can worship God in your home. You can worship God in your car. You can worship God in nature. You can worship God by yourself. But this command to encourage, you have to do it with other people. So what will encourage encouragement? Let me share three suggestions. To encourage encouraging, first, you must say no to self-absorption. You must say no to being selfish. Because the flesh will always gravitate to, it's all about me. Now, I talked about this last week when it comes to greeting. There's something about us. We go to the people we like. We go to the people who are positive. We go to the people that we enjoy. That's just kind of what we do. But aren't we all inspired by those stories of people who put themselves aside and they do something for the greater good, they do something for the team, they do something for others. I think that's one reason why we like the Olympics and all the inspiring stories that go along with that. And you might remember this one from 2012 in London. Mantillo Mitchell was his name. He was at the 200 meter race when he popped something and didn't know what it was, he said this, I felt like somebody literally just snapped my leg in half. It was the qualifying race. He had another lap to go. So he had to make a choice. Do I keep running, not knowing what this is? Or do I just stop? Add to that, if they did win, his team would advance, but he wouldn't get to run with them. So even if he made the sacrifice and helped the team to win that race, he would not get the glory of moving forward. But for Mitchell, it was not really much of a choice. He did what he had to do. A few hours later, the doctors confirmed what he expected. He had run the last 200 meters with a broken leg. Broken left fibula. Mitchell told the Associated Press, I heard it. And I felt it, but I figured it's what almost any person would have done in that situation because he knew. He knew his teammates were counting on him. He knew the Americans had won gold in the last eight long relays they had entered. He said this, even though track is an individual sport, you've got three guys depending on you. The whole world is watching you. You don't want to let anyone down. In this sin-filled world, Followers of Jesus realize we're not the only ones in this race. And that's why spiritually there's a connection that you have with others who are also walking with Jesus, trying to do what's right. And all throughout the New Testament, you read the concept of we instead of me. Like Philemon 1 verse 7, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. I don't know if you think about this, but C.S. Lewis brought it to mind. In his book, The Screwtape uh, Screw Letters, he wrote this. He was talking about the devil was trying to uh, help his nephew, Wormwood, to try to take people down. Do you remember? If you've read it, you might remember the story. 
But in his writings, the devil says the objective is not to make people wicked, but to make them indifferent. Indifferent. And then he gives these instructions to his nephew. I, the devil, will always see that there are bad people. Your, jo- your job, dear Wormwood, is to provide me with people who do not care. At some point, loving one another, as Jesus commands, demands a decision. And do I agree with Jesus' call to live a life of self-denial, a life of selflessness? You know, Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So we have to stop thinking about me And start thinking about we, especially when we gather for worship. Because we have to decide, was Jesus right or not? And the truth is, following Jesus demands reaffirming that selflessness every day. Every day. Well, number two, to encourage encouraging, you must say no to individualism. Now, kind of related, but different. Our country, our wonderful country, kind of just touts this. We celebrate that individualistic spirit. We love that. In fact, our country has made a virtue of independence. But you do not find that in the kingdom of God. It's a whole different way. Jeff talked about the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus turned it upside down. That's exactly right. Sometimes you'll hear songs talking about God is all I need. Or maybe people might even say that. And, and, and while we mean well when we say that, the truth is that's, that's not the fact. That's not what the Bible teaches. Scripture says we cannot love God apart from loving one another. Very bold about that. 1 John 4, 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, your walk with God, your relationship with God is personal, but it's never private. It's something you share. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Remember that song? We're in this together. Your faith journey, according to God, is to be interwoven with others. You're connected. You're helping And that's what that writer of Hebrews was saying. Come on, you can do it. Stay faithful. Don't give up. You have full access to the throne of God. We cannot become all we're able to be in Christ without help. Again, that's why our Christian gatherings are so important. That's why we gather for worship. That's why we gather for Sunday school. That's why you need to be in a small group Bible study. That's why we have heartfelt moms that are at men's campfire fellowship. All these activities to encourage what the Bible is telling us here. See, I can practice faith in isolation. I can practice hope in isolation. I cannot practice love in isolation. And the greatest of these is love. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? This is why this is so important. You can be an introvert, but you cannot be a loner. You must say no to individualism. And then number three, to encourage encouraging, you must say no to cheap grace. Again, remember the context. 
of what motivated the writer of Hebrews to share this call to encourage. Through the blood of Jesus, we can all now enter the presence of God because you've been made holy. You are his people. He's made you holy. His loving sacrifice. So I want to make sure we get this. If you've never understood this about a spiritual encouragement, that comes from not just a true biblical understanding of what encouragement is, it comes from an understanding and an appreciation of the gospel. When you realize what God has done for you, when you realize that through the blood of Jesus, all your sins were paid for, and now you have full access to him. That you can come boldly to him and, and share whatever is on your heart at any time. All of that is the truth of the gospel. And we behave the way we behave because we believe what we believe. This is not just being trained by our parents. It's not just some rote response because it's the right thing to do. It's an understanding of the gospel. It's understanding of what grace is. I think when we get it, when we really understand the gospel, then we don't even have to be commanded to encourage because we just encourage. Isn't that how it was written there in Philemon? As you're also doing... They were already doing it because they knew, they understood. We've been saved, we've been washed, and we want others too. We're going to heaven, we want you to go too. We're not going to let anybody slip. So when you see somebody discouraging, when you see somebody who's struggling, when you see somebody who's wanting to give up, we come alongside, that's what the word means, remember? And encourage them and give them what they need. Grace is free, but we do not believe grace is cheap. See, grace does more than just forgive us of our sins. Grace forms us into righteous people, good people. It forms us in the image of Jesus. Go back and read the lyrics of Amazing Grace sometimes. Because the words there let, let you know real, there's a lot more to grace than that. Again, Hebrews 24, 10 verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The New Living Translation says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. See, following Jesus is more than just attending worship. It's more than just being part of a Bible study. Now, I love coming to worship. I love Bible study. You hear me tout it all the time. I did it as we started our lesson today. I'm all about Bible study. You need to be in Bible study. And yet, there's more than just attending worship and studying the Bible. I read about a 71-year-old man from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Michael Nicholson was his name. At the time of this article, he had just earned his 29th college degree. Now, I don't know how many letters would go out beside his name. And you know what he's doing next? He's going for number 30. Is that impressive? Maybe. But according to the, ar the article, Nicholson said, it's stimulating to go to a class, look at the material that's required, meet the teacher, the students. It makes life interesting for me. Otherwise, things would get pretty dull. But here's where the story kind of turned. According to the article, he doesn't do anything with it. He doesn't put his knowledge to work doesn't help anybody, anything. In fact, one of his professors said he likes going to school and doesn't want responsibility. 
He just wants to study. I have a concern. For those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, I want you to hear what I'm saying here. With as much, as much emphasis as we can place upon ourselves or on one another, on, on attendance, on coming to worship, on being a Bible study, about learning Scripture, but if we're just content with studying, just content with attending, and we're not being transformed, we're not being changed, how much Bible do you really know if 15 years later, you're still Mr. McGrumpy Pants at work? What good is all that Bible study if you're still Miss Can't Keep a Secret? What good is all that worship and Bible study if you're still not forgiving of others? You have no self-control with your tongue. You're still self-absorbed. You can go to worship every Sunday. You can read scripture. You can study, study, study. But all of that is to change us, grow us, transform us. At what point does the gospel make a difference? Make a difference in the way you think. Make a difference in the way you respond. Make a difference in the way you act. Grace affirms the dignity and worth of every human being. That's what we talked about last week with greeting. It's just acknowledging, expressing that worth. Encouragement is like the next step where you're spiritually wanting to lift them up, come alongside, help them to make progress, love them enough even to tell them what they need to hear more than that, what they want to hear. And you do that because you're aware of the gospel. You realize what's been done to you. So you get to partner with Jesus with building up other people. I read a story about a family that moved to a new area. The mother was concerned because her, her boy was rather shy and starting a new school. I mean, it was already shy to begin with, and a new school, that was going to make it all the harder. And, and there was a, a school play that he wanted to try out for, and she thought, oh, I don't know about this. I mean, it's a new school. Nobody knows him. He's not very outgoing. She just wasn't sure. And so she just prayed and prayed, Lord, don't let him be disappointed if he doesn't get chosen for a part. Because not everybody gets chosen for a part. I mean, that's just kind of part of it. When the boy got home, though, he was so excited he bust through the door and said, Mom, 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 I got chosen to cheer and to clap. You have been chosen to cheer and to clap. Think about that. You are an encourager. God has placed people in your sphere of influence, in your family, in your grade, in your class, in your work, in your path for you to speak that voice of truth, for you to speak that word of encouragement. Not only that, you've been empowered. One more blank here. You can do this because you are encouraged by another encourager. A disciple does unto others as Jesus has done unto them. And what has Jesus done? John 14, 16. Ask, and I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. That word in our Bible, counselor, is the same Greek word that's also translated encourage. Paraclete. And it means, I mentioned it earlier, to come alongside. That's what he's talking about here. 
Some versions render that helper or advocate. Here it's comforter. It just means come alongside. Jesus has given us the ultimate one to come alongside and to help us because you need it, I need it. And he also knows that then through us, we can do that for one another. We can be that voice. We can be that presence. We can be that, here, sit by me. We can be that, hey, where were you? We can be that word of encouragement. Hang on. I put this on the screen. The Spirit's presence encourages us and encourages us to encourage others. You get that? The Spirit encourages us, but it also then encourages us to encourage others. Because Jesus said, you're going to be in tough situations. Trials are going to come, and we know that. It was true for his followers then, it's true for us today. You're going to find yourself in a moment where you are ill-equipped, and you don't know what to say or how to respond. It's going to be in a hospital, or a funeral home, or an emergency room, or a courtroom, or maybe just sitting across the table with a friend, and you're not going to know what to say. You're not going to know how to respond. And it's at that moment when you realize it is not about me. It is about God working through me to be a blessing to others. God, help me to know what to say. Help me to be a good listener. Help me to be a supportive. Work through me. Speak through me. Help me. It's about God using you and me to encourage others. And here's the sweet serendipity. I don't know if that's a, a spiritual word, but it seems to work here. We receive encouragement when we step out in faith and encourage others. Isn't that true? Haven't you found that? That when you stepped up in that moment, and when you were that friend, when you reached out, when you were the encourager, you come away from that experience encouraged. Your own cup is full, even though you've been the one filling someone else's cup. One last verse, Colossians 4. Look at verses 7 and 8. Let's talk about Tychicus, because you all want to name your next child Tychicus. Tychicus is a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and, and get this, that he may encourage your hearts. What do we know about Tychicus? Not much. You may be thinking, I think I've read that in my Bible before, but I'm not sure. It's in there. What the Bible tells us, he's a dear brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord. And yet, I guarantee you, the church at Colossae was so encouraged by him. They got to hear about Paul and what was going on with him. They wanted to know they loved Paul. But even more, he encouraged their hearts. That's why he was sent. So look at that next sentence on your outline. It's on the screen as well. I am sending blank to encourage your hearts. I want to challenge you to pray that to God. And write your own name in the blank. God, send me to encourage. Let me be the encourager. Put me in the situation. Give me the words to say. Give me the spiritual eyes to see. Let me go beyond, oh, that color looks nice on you, or oh, your hair looks good, or oh, whatever's a good job, whatever's the compliment that all the world can do. Can we take it to a little a deeper level, a spiritual level? And to be able with eyes of faith to see someone who also has the Holy Spirit in them. And maybe they're struggling. Maybe they need that word of encouragement. 
I challenge you to pray to God saying, use me. I want to be that person. Let's make ourselves available to God to be the one he sends. Let's pray. Oh God, we need encouragement. We need encouragement from you and so grateful that you've given us your encourager, your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we will not just take that encouragement for ourselves, but we'll share with others. Father, you've told us that we must love you with all of our heart. We also must love our neighbors ourselves. And Jesus told us that's the way that the world will know that we're yours by the way we love one another. Father, we want to do just that. And we know that encouraging is such a tangible way. Father, use us, send all of us to be that word of encouragement to others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I encourage you to name the name of Jesus. Have your sins washed away in baptism. Let him give you this encourager, the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that you're never alone. And let you be a part of his spiritual kingdom, his church. So every day he can work through you, transform you. Let you then be his instrument encouraging others. And that together, again, we can be interwoven, connected, making our way to his return. If we can encourage you, pray for you, help you with your baptism, whatever you need, won't you come as we stand and sing? The Lord needs-